Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, boy. Talk about a headline that makes me think, do I want to read that story or not? Here's the headline. Elizabeth Smart opens up about her sex life after her traumatic ordeal. Oh. Hmm. Why did anyone ask her? Do I want to read what she said? I actually that's, don't. I'm not I going think, to read about that. I think that's a really salacious, clickbaity way to say victim of sex abuse tries to have a normal life with her loved one. Whatever she has to say, I'm not going to read it. Not her I fault. I mean, if you if you study trauma and recovery yeah. and that sort of thing, maybe it's interesting. But that's just, that's, God, that's salacious. Yeah. All right. Um, so, and we mentioned that uh, that uh, that hack of the pipeline, which I think we need to have a policy of you hack our infrastructure, we're coming after you. The SEAL Team 6 is after you, like you're freaking Osama bin Laden. You don't get to jerk us around like this and just get away with it, and we send you money and say, dang it, you beat us on this one. Um, 70% of the gas stations in Metro Charlotte area are dry. You know, that's just that report. If that's true in Charlotte, it's got to be, I'd heard this morning that a fifth of Atlanta's gas stations were dry yesterday, but that was yesterday. By this oh, morning, that it's double. maybe it's 70% there, too, for all I know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is crazy. And so crazy, the hacker group put out a statement saying, hey, we didn't mean to do any of that. We didn't want to. We were just thieves. We just wanted money. We didn't want to shut down anything. Because they're afraid SEAL Team 6 is going to put one in their eye. And I think we should. <laughs> we can talk I more. I don't hate the idea. they got to be up to at least SEAL Team like 9 now, right? I would hope. Um, we'll talk more about the hacking and how often that has happened coming up. But um, uh, Sean came across this documentary. It's on HBO. That sounds pretty good. How many parts is it? That's a lot of parts. Uh, they dropped the first two. I don't know how many more they're looking yeah. to do. Normally with the documentary stuff, it's it's rarely more than six. But each one of these things were pushing up close to two hours. So yeah. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. I, like, I like thorough. I don't know if I need 14 hours on anything, really anything. I wouldn't watch a 14-hour documentary about me. No, I wouldn't either. Please, tighten this thing up. Anyway, it's about, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, Crime of the Century. Um, And it's about the opioid crisis and kind of the, uh, was it a crisis? Uh, Or was this a deliberate act by a Hmm. greedy pharmaceutical company slash companies? Well, let's hear a little bit of of it and uh, we'll discuss. So when we talk about drugs like hydrocodone and oxycodone, you're talking about drugs that are semi-synthetic, just like heroin, and that produce effects that are indistinguishable from heroin. These are essentially heroin pills, which doesn't mean that doctors should never prescribe them. These are good medicines for easing pain at the end of life for a couple of days after major surgery or serious accident. But unfortunately, Purdue Pharma and other opioid makers started to promote their opioids for common chronic pain conditions where opioids are much more likely to harm patients than help them. So that's really interesting. And they they mentioned the, uh, specifically Purdue Pharma, their big thing is the Contin kind of brand of things. And here's Mm -hmm. an explanation of what that actually is. Their first really big hit is a pain drug called MS Contin. MS Contin is morphine, but they developed a system that they called Contin, which is short for continuous. That's essentially a seal around a pill. So that if you take that pill, the active chemical in it will enter your bloodstream slowly, continuously, over a long period of time. 
MS Contin was an innovative drug. It was used chiefly in cancer pain type situations. And at a certain point, the company knew that the patent on MS Contin, the company's exclusive right to produce it, was going to be expiring soon. At the point where you lose that exclusive right, you have generic versions of that drug, and you're just going to see your profits nosedive. So they start thinking, well, what are we going to find to replace this? They start talking about oxycodone. Oxycodone is a very powerful opioid, much more powerful than morphine. It's also quite addictive. But they had this notion, you know, what if we took the content system that we created from morphine and used it with oxycodone? So rather than it being a huge dose that will just overwhelm your system, it slowly goes into your bloodstream over the course of 12 hours. Boy, it sounds like they either on purpose or by accident uh, developed like the most addictive drug that you could possibly come up with. Like that was the goal. Well, and lied deliberately and over the long term about how addictive it was, which is why Purdue was fined, what, $12 billion yeah. or a, something a, like that? I don't know, I have it in front of me. Uh, several million, hundreds of millions maybe, but uh, a parking ticket based off of how much they actually made on uh, on this stuff. And uh, Yeah, there's that. <laughs> so much of this um, seemed to be the pharmaceutical industry, kind of the tail wagging the dog in our healthcare systems, where there was this this emphasis that seems to be um, pushed by the people selling these things, that pain all of a sudden in the medical industry needs to be one of the vital signs of every checkup. Right. Yeah, we've talked about that in the past, and that's so interesting that uh, you know if you're over a certain age, you, you know that nobody used to bring bring that up, and then all of a sudden it became a, on a scale of one to ten, how much right. pain are you in? Always. As Which, if you wouldn't tell your doctor, this hurts like hell. And also the idea that if you're in pain, it has to be eliminated, as opposed to the idea of, well, you know, your your ankle's going to hurt for a week. Yeah. And you'll yeah. be fine. It's just going to hurt for a week. You don't need to eliminate all pain completely. The downside to eliminating all your pain completely is very risky. So that was Big Pharma's idea then. The whole pain scale, that's one of your vital signs. Yeah, they, they wow. would host. Uh, actually, here's, here's another, about a minute of, of uh, a doctor talking about when this push happened. It meant that I, a psychiatrist, had to go to an all-day-long course on pain. I didn't have to go to an all-day-long course on, uh, you know, cardiology or radiology. The fact is that pain should be treated as aggressively as the underlying condition that causes the pain. I was taught that pain should be treated like the fifth vital sign. When you take blood pressure, when you take respiratory rate, when you take heart rate, temperature, you should show them this scale from one to ten. One is like a tiny little bit of pain and ten is the worst pain you can imagine. Incorporating pain management into nursing education at all levels will produce staff members who are skilled in pain management. We were constantly being told that there was a growing epidemic of pain, that more and more people were in pain, yeah. that it was the responsibility of the doctors to alleviate pain. There is wow. always something that can be done to reduce pain. You needed to quote unquote get over your opioid phobia. We doctors were wrong in thinking that opioids can't be used long term. No dose is too high and your patient can't get addicted. Less than 1% of patients taking opioids actually become addicted. And if you don't use them, 
You are a bad doctor. You want people to suffer. And these things, these all-day lessons, were put on by Purdue Pharma. And their little training videos were made by them. It is interesting that so, so they had this complete shift in the way we look at pain. To, like, well, like it said right there, you treat it like it's one of the... So if you've got high blood pressure, well, you have to treat high blood pressure. If you have pain, you have to treat pain, as opposed to, no, the pain's going to go away. Right, and it's part of life, we tre- I mean, within certain reason. Yeah. We treated your, uh, you know, your back, you got the operation, it's going to get better. It's going to hurt for a while, and it'll get better. But no, pain is something that needs to be treated. I mean, there's an, uh, an epidemic of pain, and you're a bad doctor if you allow people to be in pain. Oh, that's obviously a bad idea. Well, the interesting part to me is that somehow the powers that be in healthcare ordered that psychiatrist to go. I mean, Purdue Pharma couldn't order her to go. Um, so it became a, a craze. They bought it. It reminds me of some of the, the really sick crap that's being taught in schools right now. It's a craze. It's being pushed down from above and there's no resisting it. So the teachers just go along with it. You know what they don't, well, because nobody knows, nobody understands Addiction, why some people get addicted, how real it is or whatever. That is still so wishy-washy as a science. But you've got people, like like I'm an alcoholic, and it's suggested if you're an alcoholic, you don't do these. So I've had these many of these things offered for a bunch of different things. I always turn them down. But there are people, maybe me, that it wouldn't take much, and you're hooked. Much at all. And those people should not be taking painkillers. Unless you're, like, writhing in pain, can't function. Right. My ankle hurts a lot. I'll take some ibuprofen and I'll wait a week until it goes away is a much better idea than for me to 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 dabble with something that I might be able to get hooked on like that. Yeah. And this documentary does a beautiful job of not just kind of explaining the the roadmap to how we got here, but it, it tackles the the pill, the pop up pill farm stuff. How a lot of this was uh, done on the Internet before that was shut down, which led to the pill things, the revolving door of person works for the DEA was once All right, I was once that. going after Purdue Pharma then he starts another firm is now working for Purdue Pharma to change the laws so the DEA can't shut down the pill farms as much like it is a wild intricate complicated web and so much money involved gazillions of dollars um you know i've i've i, I don't know if i've ever known anybody who's a morphine addict or anything but i've read from people to and it's like super easy to get hooked on and hard to get off of and the fact that they're giving that stuff out to people that just had kind of run of the mill pain is really frightening well and the unholy stew of forces at work of utterly amoral greedy companies their minions in the government and the regulatory agencies innocent people who said oh i'm supposed to treat pain and this is not addictive okay and then you've got like your street criminals running the pop-up pill, just the, the, the unholy mix of, of evil and ignorant that went into this. It's, it's disturbing that in 21st century America, this could take hold like it did. Yeah. Um, Where was the media? I don't know. Where was I? The uh, documentary is on HBO. Check it out if you're interested in that sort of thing. We need to look more into the whole hacking of the pipeline and how often these ransom things happen. If you know anything about that, if you work for a... Well, there's all kinds of there's city governments and schools and hospitals and all kinds of businesses that have been hacked by these ransom people, and you pay them off and hope that they go away. If you know anything about it, our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. 
Or if email is more your style, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Everything will be anonymous. Don't worry about that. So you say you have more on just how prevalent this is, much more prevalent than I realized, I guess. It is a pandemic, and it is upon us, according to Axios, and they are solid reporters. That's next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I've had several conversations with uh, the CEO of Colonial and who has indicated that by close of business tomorrow, Colonial will be in a position to make the full restart decision. Uh, But even after that decision is made, it will take a few days to ramp up operations wow that's the secretary of uh, the department of energy jennifer granholm who went on to say we know that we have gasoline we just have to get it to the right places and that's why these next couple of days i think will be challenging and we want to encourage people it's not that we have a gasoline shortage it's that we have this supply crunch and that things will be back to normal soon and that we're asking people not to hoard and know that every we are all over this. 70% of gas stations in Charlotte are dry uh, today. That's probably something in that area for a lot of cities in the south. How can you say there's not a shortage? It's a supply problem. And I, I think I know what she's trying to say, but if I can't get gas, if there's a limited amount, if there's if there's less gas than there is people who want it, that is a shortage no matter what you call it. Yes, 2020 toilet paper is calling and uh, letting the secretary know now we have panic buying all across the eastern part of the United States. Everybody is filling their tank just in case. Miles long lines, fist fights, uh, the rest of it. But what's the, what's the point of telling me, you know, we've got plenty of supply. You just don't have it at your gas station. Well, then it doesn't do me any good. Yeah, I know it. Elon Musk needs to load up some of those car transports uh, full of Teslas and just bring them to the East Coast. Teslas for sale. Teslas, sign here. Drive away with a new fully charged Tesla. I have seen some tweets from Californians talking about, wow, even in a panic like this, their gas prices are just starting to approach what our gas is all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true that. We are on the cusp of a global pandemic, said Christopher Krebs, a name you may recognize. He was the first director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. He was testifying before Congress last week. We are on the cusp of a global pandemic, a pandemic of ransomware. Axios, I love the way their, their website works. It's like bullet points and, uh, and starts basic and really direct and then builds out from there with more details. Just You're super basic. readable. Isn't basic an insult of some sort? You're basic. It can be, yeah. You're Is so, it? You're if basic. you have simple taste, yeah, you're yeah. just basic. She's so basic. That's funny. I'd never heard that one. It's like uh, my kids started using the term random, and I was like, um, not chosen intentionally? Uh, they just mean strange. But anyway, uh, why it matters. Crippling a major U.S. oil pipeline this weekend initially looked like an act of war, but now it's looking like an increasingly normal crime bought off the shelf from a ransomware as service provider known as Darkside. Uh, The big picture, no company is safe from ransomware, and often the lines between criminals and state actors can be fuzzy. 
Preventing even bigger future attacks will require a so far elusive degree of coordination between the public and private sectors in dozens, if not hundreds, of countries. The CEO of IBM said cybersecurity will be the issue of this decade in terms of how much worse it's going to get. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, and, and there's the defenses just aren't that great. The bad guys are ahead of the good guys, mostly because a lot of the good guys are unsophisticated in terms of cyber defense. Well, how's your small to medium-sized hospital in the country or school system or whatever going to have the resources to be ready for the, the very best hackers in the world? Right. And and then how do you deal with it once it happens? And Axios makes the point that, if anything, Colonial pop- Pipeline was lucky that it's so important to the functioning of the American economy, the U.S. government jumped in to help and even got they even got sort of an apology from Darkseid. Our quote, our goal is to make money and not creating problems for society. From today, we introduce moderation and check each company that our partners want to encrypt to avoid social consequences. How about that? Hmm. We're just a business. Yeah, hey, 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 we just we just screw up your data and encrypt it till you pay us ransom. We're not trying to screw with anybody's country. We're thieves. Hackers with a heart of gold. That's what I call them. You feel free. So we're on the cusp of a pandemic of this. Great. Uh, coming up, a congressman says what we'd really be focused on, and I thought that was an interesting insight from a Democrat. Also, surprise ruling. Remember the Atlanta spa shootings and whether or not that was Asian bias and all that sort of stuff? That giant story? Surprise in that one. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The U.S. Mint yesterday announced it will release a new series of quarters honoring 20 women, including poet Maya Angelou and astronaut Dr. Sally Ride. What an honor for those women to be bounced into a solo cup at a college party. Yes. Um, I'm Good going, times. I'm going to drink all the coffee today. So if anybody was planning on getting any, I, I would uh, suggest you get some now before because I'm going to drink all of it. You're going to cause panic buying. It's like gas in the eastern part of the country. Filling even, up plastic bags of coffee right now. <laughs> even though the coffee that is provided here, I brought my own coffee from home, which was delicious. I use a little Starbucks pod in my Keurig machine, and then I use uh, heavy cream, and it's just delicious. But I went through that, so now I'm drinking the coffee that is strained through someone's underwear for some reason. <laughs> it's a sick enough. Wow, that was uh, unnecessarily graphic. And it is not at all tasty. <laughs> um, <laughs> Carol Baskin. Fruit of the Loom coffee. That's right. I said Carol Baskin. Good Lord. Is calling out Ted Cruz and John Cornyn over loose, the loose tiger in Houston. <laughs> so, so is this a best of segment or are we really talking about <laughs> Carol Baskin? From Tiger King. Yes, exactly. We are. It feels live. Yeah, so the tiger's still on the loose. They haven't found the tiger. The guy, they found the guy who had the tiger, and he they is, he got arrested for possible murder, which is an interesting story. But anyway. In a separate case. In a separate case. Carol Baskin. Killed her husband. Whacked him. Can't convince me that it didn't happen. Fed him to tigers. They snack it. What's happening? Carol Baskin. Your day will come, Carol yes. Baskin. We'll find some bones from your ex-husband at some point. <laughs> 
Never forget. This is an interesting headline. I'm going to have to look into it. Rift breaks open between Pelosi and the far left squad over Israel. I uh, I know oh, sure. I know a lot yeah. of the squad are super pro Palestinian, anti Israel, and Nancy Pelosi has always been staunchly pro Israel, like most of your old guard uh, in Congress, and so that could become a thing. Yeah, the press likes to make hay with the big division between Republicans. You know, Trump, Liz Cheney, the rest of it. Yeah, that's real. But man, they're they're at each other's throats on the Democrat side as well. Yeah, since uh, since we're on the topic, Tim Sandifer, our friend Sandifer, our friend retweeted somebody saying, in a world where victimhood is the source of status, authority, and moral worth, Israelis are an object of hatred for refusing to be victims. That's pretty good. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I had two things. That was, oh, this is kind of breaking news and really weird. So you remember that scumbag who had all kinds of sex problems and had been going to massage parlors and getting uh, you know sex from sex workers and lost his mind and killed eight of them. You remember that story? And then it turned into the, 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 the national media went with another example of Asian uh, hatred, white supremacy, et cetera, et cetera. Despite the fact that he was telling the cops, no, I got a sex problem, and that's what the whole thing is. It just That's what it is. It's got nothing it's to do with It's just coincidence that they um, happen to be Asian, several of the victims, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about, uh, if you want to bring race into it, talk about how Asians are the victims of sex trafficking, but no, I killed them because they're sex workers. Um, uh, and then the national media ran with it as being part of white uh, white supremacy for a while and and we and a lot of other people were pushing back no you don't get to squeeze this into your narrative no matter what well this has taken a turn in that the district attorney of fulton county is seeking the death penalty because uh, uh the victims were of asian descent saying this is a hate crime so the da of fulton county offering no evidence of why she has decided this is a hate crime, has decided that it is a hate crime, even though everything the police has given us, the guy says, no, it was because I was sex. Now, he killed people in two counties. So all the people he killed in Fulton County were Asian, and the DA is saying it's a hate crime. In the other county, which is Cherokee County, that DA is not planning to seek hate crime penalties because two of the victims were white. So you're telling me he hated Asians in this one county, but in this other county... He, he well, he'd gotten stopped. over it. He'd gotten over it, and the two Asians he killed along with the two whites was just a coincidence. Right, sure. So sure. she's continuing to try to squeeze the whole white supremacy narrative into this story, offering no proof, at least so far. Maybe she will in court, but she didn't offer any to the New York Times or the press yesterday. Right. Well, it's a politician doing something political, clearly. That sort of politics is, is big in uh, Fulton County. That's so? some evil politics, man. When you claim there's a race war going on, that's some pretty evil politics. Yeah, I would say. Absolutely. Different topic. Uh, I came across this on an old episode of Brett Bear that I had missed somehow. So Harold Ford Jr. is a former congressman from Tennessee, black guy Democrat. Mm-hmm. And he's on the roundtable a lot. And he was uh, being asked about the whole topic of uh, the infrastructure package and the jobs trillions of dollars and bipartisan or not. And are people not taking jobs because they're getting paid too much and all that different sort of stuff, by the way, just came out that the um, bah, 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 the U.S. job openings hit a record high yesterday or in March, 8.12 million positions available, the most ever in a job openings report. 
<laughs> the most jobs available in the history of America while we're giving out trillions of dollars to people to stay home. That is interesting. Anyway, we are messing with the very DNA of this country right now. We certainly so are. So many superlatives, and superlative sounds like it's a good thing. So many, the biggest ever, the most ever, the fastest ever. Oh, boy. I only use the best superlatives. But this is a uh, uh, former Democratic congressman uh, talking about all this different stuff, and uh, and he said this, and I thought it was really interesting. Oh, Did he say it with words? Well, I'm sorry, I missed it. What am, is it? The Harold Ford Jr. clip. Did we figure out what number that? You know, I served in Congress ten years, and these big moments remind me of times when both parties do the easy thing. They both retreat to the sound and fury and the talking points of the moment. Um, we should be organizing everything we do economically, everything we do from a national security standpoint, around the words from our Secretary of State, former the words of our former uh, CIA Director and Secretary of Defense, Bob Gates, who you had on just the other night. This is about a challenge with China. This is a small moment in a huge in a huge feature film here. If we don't figure out ways to invest in the things that we need to invest in for the next five to 10 to 15 to 20 years of a battle, of a new Cold War, then we're kidding ourselves. And he goes on to say that Joe Biden needs to find a way to come up with a bipartisan bill, even if it's much smaller than he laid out, because we all need to get together on what is the threat to the United States continuing to be what the United States is. And, you know, that is the ultimate challenge that is laid before us right now. I don't like our chances, by the way. But as he said there, everything should be focused. Everything should go through the filter of we're in a we are in a battle with China to exist on this planet with our system. And we mm-hmm. need to look at everything that way. And hearing that from a Democrat who is willing to say, much smaller package if that's what it takes. We need to do bipartisan, we need to do whatever, but we've got to have one focus altogether on this, like we did against the Soviet Union, more or less. We're, we're not even close to there yet. Not even close to there yet. Yeah, I don't want to spend the entire show gloom and doom in it, um, but there's plenty of gloom and doom in that context, because we're, we're doing everything we can to weaken ourselves internally at the moment when we must be the most cautious and the most concerned with unity and strength. Because there are almost no patriots in Washington, D.C. I'm not going to say there are none, because there are some, but there are vanishingly few, and it's really discouraging. So I'm not sure exactly what to do about it. Quit hating on your fellow Americans, for one thing. Quit calling them racists. Unless they're advocating for Marxism, don't call them Marxists. This is a, God dang it, we're committing suicide. So that story is going to be around for a long time, and we'll talk about it a lot. So do we know for certain how they got into the colonial pipeline? Or is that still unknown? I heard, um, I heard over the weekend that was a possibility of you know somebody clicked on an email they shouldn't have because that's all it takes. I haven't heard that. So that's a common way to get in. That's that's how hackers got into Hillary Clinton's email. Remember, somebody beneath her. Clicked on a link, um, made the, the 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 mistake of clicking on a link from a random email, and uh, that's quite possibly happened. What happened with this uh, colonial pipeline thing? Well, here's one. So a lot of companies are now training you. They will send you an email with a link in it on purpose to like test you, 
And then, ah. you, then you click on it and it says, uh-oh, you shouldn't have clicked on this. You know, remember the training we gave you. Do not click on links in an email, blah, 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 even though it's from your own company. But, you know, the hackers can make it look like it's from your own company. That's why you're not supposed to click on these links. Here's uh-huh. a really good example of that. Uh, employees at a company were excited to see an email in their inboxes indicating gratitude from management. This is from CNBC. The message from the higher-ups at West Midlands Trains indicated to 2,500 staff members that they'd soon be receiving a bonus. We realized that a huge strain was placed upon a large number of our workforce as a result of COVID, the email read. Uh, This has not been easy for any of us, and we would like to offer you a one-off payment to say thank you. The email then uh, instructed staff to click on a link to to get the bonus, and then when you click on it, it says, You did it! Damn it! You're not supposed to click on links. Didn't we tell you? It's just, oh it was just a part of God. the whole training yeah. not to what click on things. What a brilliant idea! The first indicator was management doesn't do nice things for you, so <laughs> that should have been the tell right there. <laughs> wow! Oh my God! And no, so nobody's getting bonuses. Instead of info about their bonuses, workers found a message informing them they'd been part of a phishing simulation test meant to entice staff to click on a link and provide personal information. The message then warned staff against clicking on suspicious-looking links and remain vigilant. And that was the end. <laughs> um, what about the bonus part? That was just to lure you in, you stupid, poor employee. The point of this conversation is not the whether or not you get a bonus. The point is you're not doing what we told you. Wow. Brilliant management there. Good really I would have quit on the spot. That yeah. is... That is hilarious. How much damage did you do to the probably already low morale you had around there with that? Unbelievable. We really appreciate how difficult it's been during COVID. We're offering you a bonus. Click here to get your bonus. No bastard for clicking on the link. So now you not only aren't getting a a bonus, you're getting yelled at for doing something you weren't supposed to do. Well, I can't wait to show up for work tomorrow. I love working here. Unbelievable. Maybe they'll electrify the doorknob so I get to get shocked when I try to come into the office. <laughs> that is a hilarious story. Oh, uh, boy. Um, but you know, the uh, other things that we can get into, Liz Cheney has been officially booted out of the Republican leadership. Maybe that matters to you, that story or not, but it is a, it is a done deal. Yeah, it's a big deal in terms of the short-term future of the Republican Party, I think. But, you know, two years from now, it'll probably be forgotten. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Much on the way. Armstrong and Getty. accent and I've never been to Ireland before and I went to the hospital and they couldn't provide any answers at this stage I don't think it's going to get better (laughs) when Angie Yen woke up April 28th it felt like another morning but when the 27 year old Dennis got in the shower and started singing something she always did in the shower she was shocked by the sound she heard instead of her normal Australian accent she was stunned to hear a foreign accent that sounded very Irish when I started singing, I was singing in a different sound and also talking words in a funny accent. Pigora. <laughs> Panicked, she phoned one of her friends who was in equal disbelief. Yeah. 
you call a friend. Hey, I, I got a funny story for you. I'm speaking. Of, why are you talking like sure, that? I don't my, know. Put my friend on the phone. Who are you? Uh, he was the one that told me and sent me links later about foreign accent syndrome, FAS. Yeah, I've heard about and this. And he watched some videos on YouTube years ago. There's lots of videos on YouTube. Doesn't mean anything. But um, <laughs> fearing she was having or about to have a stroke. That's interesting. I hadn't heard one of the signs of the stroke as you start talking with an Irish accent, but. She was afraid she was having a stroke. She went to the hospital. What are your symptoms? Well, I, I uh, speak with Irish <laughs> accents, don't you know? <laughs> it's the strangest thing. <laughs> uh, she was no, showing no other signs of illness, so she was just starting to go home. We, we, we can't keep you here at the hospital because you have an, action, an, an Irish lilt. We so just can't. go home to Dublin or somewhere. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm an Aussie. They said uh, you're healing from your your surgery. Maybe your vocal folds are damaged. Hmm. Um, well, that's an insult to the Irish people right there. <laughs> she gotten her tonsils removed. Took a half an hour. Anyway, she woke up with a different accent. It's FAS, Joe. Foreign accent yeah, syndrome. I've, I've been reading about this since I was a kid. So uh, people get a blow to the head it. or surgery or whatever. It's not possible. It, well, here's, here's my it's question. It's not possible. It, it assumes somehow that you have within you right. the 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 pronunciation of all the letters that make an accent. That well, somehow you have that programming in you. That you know what foreign accents sound like and just right. have all that stored in there at the ready. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't get that. It's not possible. What soap was she using? Irish Spring, I'm guessing. Just curious if it even sounds. Was there somewhere an Irish person had a had a cavity filled? Woke up with an Aussie accent? <laughs> yeah, maybe it does. Maybe, maybe it's part of maybe it's, maybe it's part of God's plan that it just evens out the way. And she's an Asian, a young, uh, attractive Asian girl uh, who with um, an Irish accent who lives Suddenly in Australia. I'm yeah, <laughs> she she lives in Australia. But that's yeah, I don't believe it's possible. It doesn't make any sense. Oh boy. Oh, boy. Well, your premise assumes accents are intentional and not some sort of byproduct of something, right? And what if the surgeries replicate that something that is making Growing up in Ireland? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just spitballing here. But if, <laughs> That's okay. Right. But if the, 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 the weather pressure in Ireland makes everybody talk like... <laughs> I, I can't even do it, but... Everybody, wow. Yeah, everybody yeah, up talks. Nobody listen to that again. Everybody up talks now. The, the Irish kind of invented up talking. That is the crackpottiest theory I think I've ever heard on any topic, Sean. It's not well done. Crackpottier than the idea that you can get a dental procedure and all of a sudden you have an Irish accent. When and I, it's something called FAS. No, when it's I, not. When I encounter something that doesn't make sense, I try to envision the scenario in which that would make sense. If you, she made it up. If you put my tonsils, <laughs> if you put my tonsils back in, will I go back to speaking normal? Because <laughs> all my friends are making fun of me, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll fight you if you try to stop me. <laughs> now pour me a whiskey, would you? Any uh, any other cliches? Any other insults to the Irish people? No, we're what done. Are you a Catholic oh, okay. or a Protestant? Tell me now. <laughs> oh Lord! Oh, he takes it dark. Oh, speaking of which, I have a couple of great funeral stories, but now I don't have time. Oh, Michael, I have an assignment for you. Yeah. Okay. We need theme music for a feature called Wokesheviks on the March. Okay. Wokesheviks on the March. Now, the first part is easy. Probably like the Chinese national anthem or something like that. 
But then we need something that symbolizes, you know, the woke types. Some up-talking young chick or, I don't know, some chant or something. All right. See if you can come up with something. By We'll do it next hour. Everybody stay with us. We'll see what Michael comes up with. If you don't get the next hour, get it via podcast later in the day at armstrongandgetty.com. It's uh, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Uh, yeah, Jesus, look at the clock. No, we don't have time. Um, it's funny, this uh, lady who tried to run people over at her ex-boyfriend's funeral. There's nothing about her methed out, dyed haired, crank skank appearance that would lead me you know, the two uh, teardrop tattoos or the tattoo right on. It's a neck tat, but I know what you're picturing. She has a neck tat right on her windpipe. Oh. I mean, how painful would that be? I just saw the episode of Breaking Bad where the one guy called his girlfriend a skank one too many times, <laughs> and it didn't go well for him. I don't remember that one. Uh, his head got crushed. <laughs> oh. Barbaric! I'm not a skank, she kept saying. You sure look like a skank. But so this this uh, this woman here, so she drove through her ex-boyfriend's... Well, she funeral? was told not to attend her ex-boyfriend's funeral, but uh-huh. she showed up in an SUV, and when people confronted her, she tried to run them over. This is why we told you you couldn't come. Yeah, exactly. All you did was prove us right. Yeah, several witnesses flagged down the coppers. And she was uh, brought to the Hooskow, where I'm sure they know her by name. Yeah. God Yikes. Dang it. You are a skank. <laughs> You're a dangerous meth skank. We'll check back in on how the gas situation is uh, looking in a lot of the United States, where you've got big cities with no gas. Armstrong and Getty.